0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, October 2nd, 2008. I'm Caleb Brown. The highly improbable events of the last few weeks in financial markets have revealed that contagion weakening the entire financial system is likely enough to invest in preventing it. But how? Cato Institute Senior Fellow and Editor of Regulation Magazine, Peter Van Doren,
1: comments. Many people wonder why bankruptcy in commercial firms, Home Depot, Um, your hospital, whatever. Why is that different from bankruptcy in financial markets? And a a hard-headed free market person might say that I've never had a relationship with a particular bank. I have my money in other banks. And so just like I don't worry about the bankruptcy of a corporation for which I'm not an employee, I'm not a vendor, and I'm not a customer, why should I worry about the bankruptcy of something called banks or is is bankruptcy and banking different? And the answer is it it is for what we call because of something called the payment system. The payment system is the technical term for what you and I call checking accounts. That is our much of m- much of many people's money, much of everyone's money is in something called the checking account and they think of that as cash, and they think of that as um, money that's available to pay their bills. But it's in a bank, and a bank makes investments. So if a bank's investments go bad and the bank enters bankruptcy, then the implication would be that the checking accounts in that institution would be frozen. And that, in turn, wouldn't allow everyone to pay their bills, and in turn, all the entities that receive the money from those bills in turn, their checking accounts would be impaired because there's no money flowing into them. So the word contagion has a real meaning in this, in this particular sense, which is the, the linking of the payment system to something called banking um, and then allowing bankruptcy to occur in that system would in fact lead to contagion. There are two solutions to this problem. One is called narrow banking, which is we would completely separate the payment system from any actual investment. So all money in something called checking accounts would be backed by cash in the vault or investment in treasury bills, which are the equivalent of cash in the modern economy. And all other um, financial matters would be conscious decisions of consumers to invest in something. And so, in other words... The modern bank that we now have uh, wouldn't exist in a narrow banking system. Instead, there would be the payment system, and then there would be all other investment, and all other investment would be at risk. Everyone would understand that. And there would be no um, bailouts for those investments because the payment system was not at risk, and the possibility of contagion that I described earlier would not be possible. What we have chosen to do is not have that system. Instead, we have a government-insured commercial banking system in which checking accounts are guaranteed up to $100,000. And in turn, that leads to all consumers not thinking about the link between their checking accounts and the investments that banks make. Instead, we have delegated that responsibility to the government, in particular the FDIC. And the FDIC has bank examiners, and their job is to... Figure out when the net worth of a bank is at zero, and then they shut the bank down. And but the payment system is is not affected by that, and they turn over the bank um, to new owners. The so going for uh, so let me go on to to say what what does this have to do with the recent bailouts of AIG and Bear Stearns, but the non bailout of Lehman Brothers? That is what is there an explanation of why the government dealt with one different from the other two and the answer is there is an investment bank equivalent to the payment system and that is this over-the-counter derivative market that you have probably heard and this is a complicated set of, of contracts between investment banks and hedge funds and other money institutions and insurance companies AIG in particular in which all the parties involved have made contracts and counter-contracts with each other about the likelihood of what are called defaults on bonds and other instruments, as well as changes in exchange rates and other things. In other words, this is a set of interlocking insurance contracts about almost everything. And they're held on the books of these uh, investment and commercial banks, and um, as well as insurance companies. And it's the interrelatedness of these things that that implies that bankruptcy for one of the one of the players in this market would lead to uncertainty about the, the value of all these contracts and would be an equivalent breakdown to the payment system breakdown that i uh, described earlier so going forward we need uh, institutional reform which would insulate the, the over-the-counter derivative market, which I'm not opposed to. I mean, it's a very wonderful market. It's actually been, uh, it, it, we shouldn't get into a populist mode and say that these kinds of insurance instruments were bad ideas. No, they were very good ideas. The problem is, is that the bankruptcy of the holding company or the, the entity that also has investment in other things in turn makes the over-the-counter market uncertain, which is... A problem. So we need institutions to insulate the -the over-the-counter derivative market from the um, um, the uh, larger holding companies that um, that that held these uh, companies in their portfolio. The answer is something called a clearinghouse, which is what the New York Stock Exchange has, which all which all organized future exchanges have. Most people don't realize that the buyer and seller of futures and the buyer and seller of stocks every day on our exchanges do do not actually contractually deal with each other. The seller of a stock sells it to a clearinghouse, and the buyer of a stock buys it from the clearinghouse. The clearinghouse has its own capital stock, and the bankruptcy of the buyer or the seller of stock or the buyer or seller of a futures contract does not affect the clearinghouse, and thus contagion is not possible in the way that it is in this over-the-counter derivative market in which all the businesses themselves were liable, not and they didn't actually buy and sell from something called a clearinghouse.
0: So in this instance, uh, what you're describing, the sort of George Bailey scenario in It's a Wonderful Life becomes impossible.
1: It's not impossible, it's much less likely. Um, Nothing's ever impossible in finance, as we're learning uh, this week. But a clearinghouse has its own capital stock. And in turn, a clearinghouse also rates parties and allows them admission to trade on um, an exchange. And so there's a much more formal process about who are my players and what's their credit worth and what's the likelihood of their bankruptcy, et cetera, et cetera. And whereas in the over-the-counter market, there actually was the assumption that all existing investment banks that had been around sort of will be around and thus all, all players in that market can deal with each other until, whoops, they all decided that some of them might be suspect and then the whole market dries up and bankruptcy is a possibility and then contagion occurs.
0: What's prevented uh, this kind of uh, clearinghouse for derivatives from existing up till now?
1: Nothing. Nothing has prevented it. It's just that um, the all the players involved, for reasons that are not clear to me actually, seem to prefer an over-the-counter um, market w- as opposed to an organized exchange. Um, for example, bonds bonds are not traded on exchanges, so we don't have an organized bond exchange. Instead, there are bond dealers, and people can go and buy and sell bonds from bond dealers. But th- unlike stocks, there's no place in the newspaper you can go to to see where a municipal bond from Orange County, California, what what price at what interest rate or what price it traded uh, yesterday. Whereas you can for stocks and futures and, and options. So. What I'm proposing, in effect, is is a more organized um, exchange system with a clearinghouse, um, and there's probably a mixture of sociological and cultural and other reasons to resist that, and um, all the players in that market now, my guess is, will be much more risk-averse and will want um, some sort of organized exchange uh, because of, the fear of bankruptcy that they never thought about, in fact, it w- became possible with the AIG failure, and uh, they now, probably on their own volition, would want uh, this kind of system.
0: Bear Stearns' uh, bondholders were essentially protected. Lehman Brothers' bondholders were, uh, were not. not protected. And uh, was a, there seemed to be a lack of information at the time of the Bear Stearns bailout that in some sense, had been corrected by the time Lehman Brothers came along.
1: Well, as best I can tell, and again, in 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 my view, I still don't know the answer to this question, but I'm saying either Lehman Brothers was less involved in the over-the-counter derivative market, or regulators made the judgment that all the parties involved with Lehman Brothers had known for a while that it was in trouble, and therefore had time to withdraw their over-the-county business with Lehman Brothers. And thus, if it were allowed to fail, it would not have the contagion effects, given the narrative that I just gave. Or, there's no factual basis for the different treatment of these institutions. And that's even more interesting, if it's it's possible. Because that suggests the underlying narrative I've given about the risk of over-the-counter derivative contagion is itself false, and that means the arguments I've just made aren't true. So what I've argued in in my writing is that um, economists and journalists need to verify the facts of these three cases before going forward and make arguments about uh, whether or not the -the over-the-counter contagion story was in fact a real possibility, because... If it is a real possibility, then Lehman Brothers' facts have to be different from AIG facts and Bear Stearns' facts because these three cases were treated differently, and when Lehman Brothers was allowed to fail, none of the contagion uh, arguments seemed to affect uh, the market in the way that the story would suggest. So the facts of Lehman Brothers have to be different, in my view, or the underlying story itself isn't true, one of those two things. And sadly, in the intervening events, because other things have happened since since this happened, and in, and, and the two remaining investment banks have have become commercial banks, to get some, in effect, government regulation and protection from from perceived contagion, the um I'm I'm fear that the ad, the necessary academic investigation as well as journalistic interest in this question has um, waned, and I'm hoping that we figure out the facts of these three cases because we need to get our story straight going forward to inform the kinds of regulatory instruments that we uh, that that are proposed for the finance sector going forward and we know there're going to be a lot of them and and we at Cato need to get our story straight so that we understand when to resist stories of contagion that are unwarranted but to accept those that are real and possible and then promote the design of the clearinghouse type system that I proposed um, as a remedy. Peter Van Doren
0: is editor of Regulation Magazine and is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. You can read his recent op-ed on containing contagion with clearinghouses at cato.org.